Hey, I'm Ruby Jones, the host of 7am. It's all been pretty different here over the past few weeks. For us at 7am and also for the Saturday paper and the monthly, who we work with really closely. Today in this special bonus episode, I'm talking to 7am's editor, Oz Faruqi, as well as the monthly's Nick Fike and the Saturday paper's Madison Knorton. And we're going to talk about the new ways that we're all working during this shutdown. Hi, Oz. Hey, Ruby. How you doing? I'm okay. How are you? Good. It feels weird to be interviewed by you. I am a little bit intimidated. I'll go easy. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Oz, you're the editor of 7am. Tell me when you realised that the COVID-19 pandemic was going to change how we all worked. When you work on a daily news podcast, I think you're forced to think about days and weeks in a really strategic and kind of mercenary sort of a way. And when there's a big breaking news event or or a news event that you realise is going to end up dominating the news cycle, you start planning ahead for it. So interestingly, the first coronavirus-related story we did was two months ago, um, the beginning of February. It was a story with Rick Morton, one of the reporters at the Saturday paper, about coronavirus, where it came from, how it was spreading, and the risk it posed if we didn't deal with it quickly. But that was when coronavirus was still very much a small part of the news cycle. Since then, we basically moved to day-to-day rolling coverage on different elements of the pandemic. We've been making more and more stories where we literally get up that morning, decide what the story needs to be tomorrow, find the talent for it, find the people that we want to speak to, record it, edit it, do the finishes and get it out the next day. And that's been a really, really, really big shift, not just for me, obviously, but for everyone in the team, yourself, the producers. The sense of urgency, I think, to what we do has really ramped up. And I think in a practical sense, there's been some like fairly big hurdles for us as a team, trying to kind of wrangle audio and and contact each other and navigate internet speeds. Mm. I have a lot of housemates, so we're all working on top of each other at the moment, which is difficult. I also have a neighbour who has taken up drumming. Um, As a way to sort of stay sane in this. Yeah, he's recording an album. Um, He's taking an artistic approach to to the shutdown. Um, He's lost a lot of his work, actually. And so... That's been difficult. I now have to uh, text him every time I want to record my headlines and be like, hey, do you mind? Uh... Is he okay with that? <laughs> He's been really lovely about that's it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we're making it work, but um, there's a lot of challenges. And I mean, the other thing that's happened that's changed is that you and I have been having a lot more late night phone calls because of the way that this story is playing out politically, like the prime minister for the last few weeks has been having these long cabinet meetings, national cabinet meetings that sometimes stretch into the night. And he'll announce a whole bunch of very dramatic and significant new measures at 9.30 or 10 o'clock. And then we jump on a phone call. We work out what we need to change for our story the next day, what we need to re-record. You then text your (laughs) drama neighbor, ask him to stop playing so you can record what we've done so we can make sure that when people wake up and they listen to us, whether that's at 6am, 7am or in the afternoon, they have the most up-to-date information about how the country works and what they shouldn't, shouldn't be doing. Oz, what kind of approach do you think that 7am is going to be taking into the future? You know, we're kind of only at the beginning of all of this now. We've got weeks and and months to go. So what's going to happen? People, I think, turn to us because they want to know what's going on. But this story is not just a hard news story. It's a story about our society, 
the way that we live, the way that we interact, what kind of society we want to be in as we deal with this crisis and the kind of society that we want to emerge out of this crisis as. And we're also talking as a team about what we can all do to help our listeners feel more comfortable with the situation, feel more connected at a time when it's so hard to get actual physical connection. And I guess this episode is an example of that. We wanted to let our listeners have an insight into what it's like making a show like this every day, and hopefully they enjoy it. Nick speaking. Hey, Nick, it's Ruby. Hey, Ruby, how are you? I'm good. How are you going? Good, good, thank you. Just settling into the day. Nick, you edit a monthly magazine, which is usually done with your team at the office. Now that you're all working remotely, can you talk me through some of the challenges that that has thrown up? Look, some of them are just the, the usual technical ones, as in that you, we've realised very quickly that Australia's uh, communications infrastructure isn't great. But uh, it is good enough for most teleconferencing and then there are other things like how do we train our new editor who starts next week when we're not actually in the same physical space. That's um, something that I'm nervously awaiting. There's a lot of um, discussions with writers that you would ideally have in person, which obviously you don't do anymore. But I guess in a more complex way, it's how do you write about certain issues when you know writers can't do physical research so we've changed the commissioning program a lot i've often said that we commission six to ten weeks in advance for the longer essays now ruby if you can tell me what's going to be happening in our world in six to ten weeks i'd love to know I would love to know as well. Um, I did want to ask you, though, about the commissioning process because you're putting together the next issue now and are you counting on people wanting to read more long-form stories on the pandemic in, you know, six or ten weeks' time or do you think that people will want alternatives? Yeah, it's a good question. I think, look, that includes, you know, the way that you balance a magazine. You can't have every single piece being literally about the coronavirus. But, you know, there are different angles that you can look at. The entirety of our lives have changed. So what are the aspects that haven't been covered well? I think for a monthly magazine, you know, our role has always been to provide context. So it's to sit above the news cycle and it's to record things. So in, in some respects, just that very basic act of recording how things have changed this month or in the past month, I think, is all the more important because it's so easy for certain things to change without noticing. Even when you look back a month ago, I mean, the obvious example is looking at the way that that our leaders' attitudes towards this uh, thing have changed And Nick, The Monthly also delves deep into culture, including music and film. What approach are you taking there? I think in in terms of film, Shane Danielson, our critic, has has, uh, proposed a topic which I thought was very well worth looking into. He was talking about film watching, cinema watching as this kind of collective act, this strange sort of mix of personal and public act of consuming culture. So he's going to write about that for us, which I think is apt at this time. Uh, and Anwen Crawford is taking a more sort of materialistic approach, looking at the economic cost of 
just one one lost gig. So the flow through effects in terms of to the venue, to the artists themselves, to their roadies. So just looking at one gig that has been cancelled as a way of sort of reflecting broader cancellations or the broader shutdown of the industry and its effects. Nick, thanks so much for talking to me today and uh, good luck with the issue. Thanks very much, Ruby. All the best. Hello. Hey, Madison, it's Ruby. Hey, Ruby. How's your morning been? It's been it's been good. I think that it's a bit weird when you're not in an office because time, time changes. <laughs> I feel like you don't have the structure of other people reminding you when is the time to drink coffee and the time to eat lunch, etc. So, Madison, you're the editor of The Saturday Paper. Where are you working from right now? What's your setup like? Um, I'm working from this strange sort of storage cupboard slash spare room that we have at the back of our house that I moved my desk into just because we have like a huge construction site across the road, um, which you may be able to hear during this call. (laughs) Apologies. But um, yet the sound of sort of crashing metal was getting a bit too much and it's a bit quieter back here. It's very small and all of my team makes fun of me when we video chat because I sort of look like I'm in a cupboard. But it's nice. There's a window and I can see across to our neighbour's house where weirdly they've set up their desk in their window so we sort of just look at each other across um, across the backyard and we've never met but we always smile at each other in the mornings which is a nice ritual, I guess. It's nice to have, you know, something to do. Madison, can you talk me through what an ordinary work week at the Saturday paper is like and how that's changed? Yeah, I guess an ordinary week at the paper probably starts with a lot of calls, calls to our reporters and to our columnists and to potential comment piece writers for that week and to people like our cartoonist John Kadelka. And basically in those calls, we're trying to form the outline of what the paper will look like for the week. And it's always changing, but I think you are trying to lock in the the basic outline as early as possible. You know, I haven't seen any of my colleagues in person for a couple of weeks now. And I think those distances are hard probably for two reasons. The first one is technical. It's just quite difficult to put together a newspaper. You know, we're using a remote server access and and we're using um, this thing called remote desktop, which allows us to sort of log into computers in the office and and use them remotely. So it's technically really fiddly and slow to to try and collate the, the newspaper. But I think it's also pretty different to not be in a newsroom when you're on deadline. And we're not the most traditional newsroom, like it's it's not like um, other places that I've worked, but it is this sort of sprint that you're in together when you've got a couple of hours to get this thing off to the printers. And it's quite anxious and it's exciting and you're exhausted, um, but you're all there together. And I think not being in the same room with each other, you feel the distance. It, it's kind of strange to be sitting on a computer alone by yourself, sort of sprinting towards that. And so from an editorial perspective, what kinds of questions are you asking yourself and your reporters? Because, you know, this story is changing so rapidly. How do you make sure that what people read on Saturday is still important and relevant by that by that time? I guess the main question we have when things are shifting so quickly is making sure that everything we put in the paper is meticulously fact-checked because I I think that there's so much misinformation 
and so much, I guess, um, chair expertise going around at this moment that we're just very aware of that. And I think the public service of journalism has become a lot clearer in this moment of, of like what value there is in information and information that's clear and fact-checked and um, reliable. Mm, I wanted to ask you about that. Do you think that this current situation has has it, has it brought up any questions for you in terms of the role that journalism plays in society and how do you think the Saturday paper fits into that? Yeah, I think I think it's making me consider a lot of things. I guess the overarching question is, you know, the role that media plays in fueling panic and fueling concern and then the the dual role that it plays in providing information. This is clearly a really serious moment in history. It it is it is big and it will reshape how we live our lives. But I think given that we're a weekly paper, we really want to be a moment for people to kind of take a breath and consider what's happening. Hey, Madison, what's in the paper this weekend that people should look out for? So there's some great stories in the paper. I think something that I'm really interested in is is Mike Seckham is looking at police powers and how they're being used to enforce um, self-isolation and the public health orders that have come in, which is really striking. I think Australia sort of stands out in the way that we've decided to police this pandemic versus, say, a public education campaign or focusing on, you know, the community aspect of it like they have in other countries. It feels like something shifted this week in the way that that Australia is dealing with this pandemic. I think the other story that I'm really interested in is, is Rick Morton's piece about how this pandemic's impacting family violence. I think that I didn't really realise the scale of the impact that it's already having in Australia. And, yeah, Rick really dives into that and the personal stories that he has found. I, I thought that they were incredible. And it's a hard it's a hard read, but I think it's an important one. Thanks so much for the chat, Madison. It's really nice to hear from you. No worries. It's, it's lovely to hear. It's lovely to hear a, a, a voice of another person. This is great. <laughs> I totally agree. Thanks for listening to this special bonus episode of 7am. You can subscribe to our show in your favourite podcast app and you can find us on Twitter and Instagram if you search for 7am podcast. And on behalf of the team here at 7am, a special thanks to everyone who's become a supporter and contributed to the show. We really appreciate it. We'll be back on Monday with an episode looking at how Australians are dealing with unemployment during the lockdown. See you then.